get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, feel the power of the greatest theme song in podcast history. It's 251 week in UFC, the State of Combat MMA. Back at you a second time, right? A second helping. A show so nice, we had to record it twice, guys. It is Masvidal time. It is time to get woke and wild. Uh, two big interviews coming for you today. Max Holloway trying to get back that featherweight championship against Alexander Volkanovsky in the rematch this weekend. He's going to stop by and uh, talk a lot about islands with you. Tell us why uh, he's not really moved about all these narratives. He is just here to fight and a fantastic interview today with former women's strawweight champion Rose Nama Yunus, who goes deep, and I respect that, deep about the mental side of this sport and what she's facing entering her own rematch against the ex-champ Jessica Andrade. And we also have a betting preview to look ahead to 5-1 this weekend. I know you heard Sugar Rashad and myself break things down on Monday to set the stage, so I had to bring back an old friend to the pot. In fact, where the hell is this guy gone? Where the hell is this tall drink of water been? He's number 65 in your scorebooks. He could be in the top 10 in your hearts. Uh, it's Brandon Wise. He's back to face the pain. And he's wearing a 1980s adult uh, movies uh, uh, mustache. Fantastic look there, B-Wise. Uh, had a call to the bullpen this week because your favorite fighters of all time are taking over the sports world this weekend. How you doing? Brian, did you really think that you were going to have a fight card preview without me when Jorge Masvidal and Piotre, Piotr, Peter, Jan are fighting? Come on, man. I'm doing great. Quarantine has sucked the horn wow. pretty damn hard. Yes. Uh, as you said, I have now grown a mustache. This is my second iteration of a mustache since quarantine started. That's how long I've been stuck in my house. Uh, now I'm going with a little handlebar action that people can't see. I might post a picture later. Um, it's been tough, but I'm as fired up as I have been through quarantine for this weekend. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm not by, by the look of your mustache, I'm not understanding whether you're about to uh, uh, get on a motorcycle or, you know, you know, do do something else. Maybe he uh, he blew his wad early. Wow, wow, that was uh, we're talking about fights here. Okay, uh, great stuff. Thank you. Uh, wise, uh, uh, right off the top, we got to hit it up. Masvidal is your guy, the 2019 Fighter of the Year. You know, I did prefer Adesanya, but what a turnaround for this guy. Um, as a journalist, super fan, uh, the big question this week of what his you know, paratrooping into this card, which was already a loaded three title fight card, does to our excitement levels, to, you know, the interest mainstream in this fight, to potential pay-per-view sales. I went as far as saying, I think this could double. I think this could double whatever UFC was going to make, just dropping him in. Are we at the point, Brandon, where your guy might be the second biggest star in this sport? Hmm. Um, I would say at this point, he's kind of got to be in terms of an interest level, in terms of just just getting eyeballs, because 
casuals know who he is, man. And this was the time to cash in on that for, for the UFC. And <laughs> they fell ass backwards into this opportunity to get this fight actually done after deciding to not want to pay him the money that he thought he had earned. But they they got what they needed done. He's fighting on Saturday in a pay-per-view at a time when they need pay-per-view buys at a time when we were talking about privately, like how many pay-per-view buys is this card going to do this weekend? Even with three title fights that people are interested in, there wasn't a name. Like we can call Max a name all we want, but how many pay-per-views is he pushing right now? You know, a real name, right? And Usman, sorry, sorry, Marty, not a name, not a name, bro. It's yeah, it's it's just it's been that kind of year for UFC and we kind of learned it though through 249 how how Justin Gaethje made himself into a name. Tony Ferguson was a hardcore name before that and now because of the quarantine and because 249 was the only thing going on at that time in May, people want to know what the hell Justin Gaethje's doing next. They want to see him fight. He's become more of a casual fan's name in the in the way that Jorge did last year because when you go viral, man, it's really tough to not have any kind of – to have pull, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I am blown away at – I mean, just the – you know, the, the whole story is always great to tell. The 35-year-old, 17 years in the game, all that stuff. But it's like he's like the cool person's fan favorite. He's also like the like a villain rule breaker, but not so much. And yet he's got this like – working man Cinderella story going on. Like it's a ghetto version, right? It's it's a ghetto Cinderella story, you know? Ghetto man and he fights in a ghetto way. But uh it's like it's to the point it's like you you have to cheer for him in this spot. He fought the law and he won and we could actually be in a scenario brand wise and you know we'll get into the betting aspects in a minute. Saturday night I mean, it'll it'll be breakfast time in uh in the UAE, but Saturday night we could be seeing an image of this street Jesus with two championship belts on his body, one a real one, one a fake one, calling out your guy Connor for a welterweight championship bout that that would be the biggest fight you suddenly you could make in the sport, and if Masvidal got gave himself the additional rub that would come with winning this title. And let's say he knocked out Usman. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, you could argue this is almost like Conor Habib levels. Now, you know, I don't know if you can reach that pay-per-view level because of the hatred between them, but we could actually live in a world where Jorge and Conor could be your next big fight. And it could actually be for the real title and have historical implications due to Conor trying to become the first champ, champ, champ. It's just a wild. What a time to be alive. You never know what's going to happen in this quarantine. People I know and respect and like are showing up on podcasts with handlebar mustaches. It's a crazy time right now. I mean, that fight would be one-way traffic, but that's just my opinion. I, I, as we've, as has been documented for the last year when Jorge was making the rounds and when Dana White was talking about that as a potential fight, he thinks that's a horrible matchup for Connor where he's going to get destroyed because Jorge's too big for him. <laughs> I know money talks. I, I don't care though. Like, I just, I don't think that's a good fight. I, what I don't think has been discussed enough, as you as you and a lot of other media members have mentioned, though, Jorge's 35. This will be the first title fight of his career, 48 fights into his into his professional career. 
so Who's to say he doesn't win and walk away? No, 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 no. Here's the deal on that brand. He's a assassin for hire. Okay, he took that giant stance, and I mean, he turned down twice this title opportunity. Right? We understand why, but he did it twice. He wants the payola. Okay, most guys are they're in it for the for the punani. He's in it for the. Whoa, <laughs> which direction are we going there? Uh, he's in it for the, the greenbacks. This would t- put him on Conor McGregor level. He's not going to walk away. He's going to keep cashing them checks, Biatch, all right? Like, this This is like he's going to make himself into uh, Tony Montana, you know what I mean? The millionaire, and he's going to do a lot of coke and, and kill people. It's going to be fantastic to watch, but uh, seriously. Dude, but hold on, hold on, though. Besides Conor, who's the fight at 170 that you would make with him? Because to me, it would feel like he's already kind of beaten all of the people that we wanted to see him fight. Well, I'll talk to you about this right now, all right? You ready? You're telling me him against Colby Covington wouldn't do big money? You're telling me him rematching Nate Diaz wouldn't be a, a Oh, get out of here. Get the that? hell out of I'm, here. I'm right here. I'm not leaving. My name's on the marquee, all just, right? Just get out of here with Nate Diaz rematch after he got destroyed. Hey, I'm not, I'm not speaking to the potential competitiveness of it. I'm speaking to money. Just like you spoke earlier this week and said – uh Man, what if Jose Aldo wins? Is Frankie Edgar next? Like, they do fights like that, okay? 46-year-old Dan Henderson got his ass a title fight, all right? I didn't say that. By the way, our colleague Brent Brookhouse said that. Brent Brookhouse, yes. Shout out to the bearded man. Yes, (laughs) yes. All right, then. Great. Good talking to you. Uh, We'll see you next week. Uh, No, here's the deal. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause, okay? That's what we do here little word from our friends and sponsors on the other side. Big bets, big storylines, big guests coming at you ahead of 251. And we're back. BCBW, big name fighters to come. It is Fight Island Week. Uh, Brando, before we get into all this, uh, haven't heard from you a while on this. We're, we're, we're talking a lot about Fight Island. We're writing a lot about it this week on CBS Sports. Uh, my emotions have changed throughout the process. You know, it was baity and switchy. Uh, we, you know, this ain't Epstein's Island that we're on. At the end of the day, does it matter? Can they print t-shirts with pop dreams? Do you care? You care that they're in the damn desert? I mean, it's just smart. Like, they, I think that they, you can call it a bait and switch, but they just outsmarted the general public on this one by saying, by Dana, probably prematurely going out and saying, I've acquired an island. We have an island. The infrastructure is being built as we speak. It'll be ready and blah, 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 blah. I think that was all just a way for him to realize, hey, we need to make some extra money right now. And what better way to do that than by adding some extra merchandise to that UFC store that gets some absurd amount of cash every time that there's a big event going on? Because, by the way, I looked at a few items on there besides the Fight Island gear. They're selling stuff for like $600, like used uh, uh, fight kits and stuff. And I'm just like, who is buying this? Yeah, yeah. Rich rich, uh, rich people in the desert, probably. I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring yeah. it. I'm ready, Corona. No, no, no. Please, 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 please. No, no, no. Please go away from that. Okay. Uh, go back to that time in our lives, by the way, when we were just laughing at him. Yes. Just laughing at him. 
He was out of control. We do have to remember that. He was absolutely out of control. You guys want to go back and be a fucking bartender? I mean, he was like, you know, if, if you want to inject me with this fake corona, you know, he, right now I'll bend over for you. It's like hiding from cancer. You can't hide from this thing. You can't hide. But I if can't. But, you know, he's turned it around. Shout out to uh, Kevin Ioli showing up on our podcast just now with that. But, Brandon, let's uh, let's get into a lot of stuff, okay? Well, I'm really excited. Everybody's really excited about this show. And uh, I want to look at the odds with you. I also want to throw to some great interviews. First up, we have my favorite fighter in the world, Rose Nama Yunus. Where do you sort of stand on this great-ass fight, Rose Andrade 2? And this comment I'm about to tell you, I'm still not convinced Rose isn't the best 115-pound fighter in the world and in contention right behind the Lioness and Valentina for basically, you know, the third best female fighter in the world. She's going to have to show us on Saturday. She's going to have to answer a lot of questions. But it's in there, Brando. No, she's not the she's not up there yet. She's great. I I agree with you that she is a great fighter. She should be remembered as such for being a part of the initial 115 pound division and the initial 115 pound title fight. But she's also what twelve fights into her career now, thirteen fights maybe. Yeah, let's not forget she was like six and four about four years ago. Yep, and she's gone on a crazy run and. I still like I still give pause every time because I just want to see it again, you know? Like it's been a it's been over a year now since she's fought. She's had a lot of turmoil in in her family and like just a whole bunch of things to deal with before this fight this weekend, you know? Like she was supposed to fight at 249 and then she had two family members die from corona and I don't know how you deal with that. I personally I haven't had anybody I know been infected or or have to deal with something like this so i don't even know what that's like mikey brown on top of having to prepare for a title for a fight like this without a true training camp which by the way i need everybody to stop saying that there's not been a true training camp for a lot of these guys when i follow a lot of these fighters online and on instagram they're training just fine by the way the max thing is its own thing that we'll get into later but to not have a true training camp where you're at a gym with a hundred fighters that's it's a lot different. It's it's not the same thing where fighters are always used to having that that routine every day. You know, like they have to build these ways, build up in this way so that they know exactly how everything's going to go. Well, this week feels like it's just not going to be like that. They're trying to make it as normal as possible for them, but it's just not going to be that typical routine, especially given that these the, the main card is going to start at 9 a.m. local time. You know, and I like to counter that argument when people ask me on radio interviews or whatever, you know, how is Masvidal, for example, going to deal with six days notice, cutting weight, Abu Dhabi? And, I, you know, and I just keep saying, like, everybody's going through ish right now. There are certain people, though, Brand, who seem uh, wired for the, for chaos, wired to be able to adjust. I certainly look at Jorge Masvidal as one of those people. I certainly look at Max Holloway. You know, it is what it is as one of those people. And I'm wondering if Rose isn't 
one of those people in in her own way, Brandon. She's dealt with a lot a lot of, you know, mental health challenges. Uh I mean, Connor throwing the freaking dolly through the window, let's not forget, you know, and her sitting there scared and crying and then going out and going five rounds with Joanna two days later. I mean, her life has been a wild journey and uh she's got a lot of questions to answer. So let's bring her in right now. Uh she's the best. She's a thug. It's Rose Nami Units coming at you. Enjoy. Thug Rose in the house. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It's it's going pretty good. All right, all right, Rose. Uh, break us the news that we really want to know here. How hot is hot in Abu Dhabi? Um, honestly, like I haven't really like. It's definitely not as hot as I thought it was going to be. Um, like obviously the number says like a hundred and ten or whatever, but like. And maybe it's just because we're we're on a night schedule that it's not so bad because we're you know we're fighting at like six a.m. six a.m. in the morning over here, so we're like sleep during the hottest part of the day. But honestly, it's like it's a little bit humid, so it makes it a little bit nicer. So it's not just a dry, arid, you know, desert feel. All right, all right. I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. Uh, I'm fired up for this fight. So many fans are. This could be a main event any day of the week. And, and Rose, the whole theme is uh, you bouncing back. And, and what version of of you are we going to see? And where's your focus level and all this craziness for you? Has this training camp felt any differently from a mental standpoint than the recent fights? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, everything about this training camp has been different. Um, like, I'm uh, just a lot more in control of myself and, like, not, um, you know, I'm just more confident in my preparation than I've ever been. So it really feels good just to be able to, like, you know, like, go to sleep, at, go to bed at night, not, like, having any regrets and just, like, totally just like, accept whatever, whatever, you know, comes my way. I think you've been the most uh, interesting fighter to follow, Rose, because of your honesty in interviews. You talk openly uh, about the cerebral side of it and everything you deal with uh, and all the growth you've made. It's interesting to hear you say that you've gotten to, to this higher level of confidence when, you know, people that maybe haven't talked to you are saying, you know, will you ever be the same coming off of such a tough loss? Was there... Uh, a moment or anything that sort of kickstarted this uh, this maturity level for you? Um, well, definitely getting slammed in my head kicked the kickstarted that. Um, <laughs> you know, then the thought processes just kept coming out over the past year. It's definitely it took some time for everything to like the things that um, the discoveries that I made about myself. Um, took a little bit of time to unfold but like that was definitely like the catalyst and then it was like you know just like I, I already knew what it is that I need to get better at like instantly but then like just over time even more things kind of started to reveal themselves how much of this game is mental in your eyes I ask fighters that a lot I get you know answers all over the board but you know some of them say a hundred percent how do you see it break down yeah, I think it's um I think that there's multiple aspects of the game and you have to be like I don't think it's like a pie and you slice it in in pieces, you know what I'm saying? Like I think it's just 100% mental, 100% physical, 
a hundred percent spiritual, like a hundred percent, you know, all of these things. And it's a hundred percent of yourself and we're, we're made up of mind, body and soul. So you have to be a hundred percent committed. And that's really what it is. It's not like 90% mental and 10% physical mm-hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, it's all of those things. And it's all like, you know, it's also like genetics and what you, what you're, you know, just talent that you bring to the table that it's God given and there's no training that, you know, so it's all of those things combined. I want to go back to that first fight with Jessica, your last appearance last May and uh, everyone said it and it's true. I thought you were the best uh, straw weight in the world in that first round. I don't think I've ever seen you look any better. And, and it was like watching your evolution fight by fight through the two Yoana fights into that one. It was incredible. Is that something that you'd agree with, that you hit your highest sort of level of putting your entire game together in one five-minute sequence? Um, I don't know. I think in that moment, that was the best version of myself at that time. Um, but definitely didn't reach my potential, no. And then obviously it's a, it's it's such a... It can be a brutal fight game because of the way things uh, spun around for you in round two. If you can go back and think about that, and I always respect when, when fighters are willing to, uh, what do you remember in those moments of, of, of Andrade lifting you and in, in, in your strategic thoughts in that, in that time and uh, what led up to the knockout? Um, there was a bunch of, you know, just different, things that I was juggling in my mind leading up to it and uh, I was suppressing it all and then you know just um, there was a shift that happened in the second round where I just didn't want to be there anymore and literally that's kind of what happened you know it just I, uh, <clears throat> I just got taken out of the fight you know that's that's uh I appreciate you you sharing that and that that's incredible um that you're able to to sort of recognize that in hindsight did you remember in that second round uh, feeling nervous at all that maybe, you know, you had lost an edge that you had the round before uh, in, in terms of your focus? No, um, I didn't feel nervous. I just felt bored. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, how overblown was the idea afterwards that uh, that you were contemplating retirement and that, that maybe you were over this as a profession? I'm sorry, say that one more time? Uh, the whole idea after you lost that fight, it, we were waiting to hear from you, and there was a lot of talk that you were considering retirement. How real was that? You know, I was wondering if that was overblown, or was that a, oh. a day-to-day thing for you? No, that was very real. Um, I wanted, I, I, you know, actually, you know, going into that fight as a champion, I wanted to be more of an active champion. Um, and so... Like that, that, that was one of my goals going into that fight. Uh, obviously, given that the fight would be successful, but um, I didn't really have things in order for that to happen. And so, um, afterward, like the, there's a there's a one side of me that really wants to be an active fighter and like fight a lot, and then there's the other side that was actually really bored with everything and and was really uninterested um, in this. But I knew that I was just that good that I could still. You know, I've I've shown up flat before and won fights, and so it, that that made me realize that like <clears throat> no matter how much, no matter how good I am, I have to be interested in this in order to, you know, for it to not only be successful, but it, for it to be safe for me to do this. So, and it's never going to be a hundred percent safe, but like, 
um, it's just not a smart choice for me to just, you know, be that um, egotistical or whatever that I could just, yeah, you know, go in there no matter how I feel and just do whatever I want. So, um, so yeah, that was that realization that like, if I'm not interested in this, I have to stop no matter how, like how high my potential is. What did you end up, uh, I don't know. I'm interested. Like what, what did you end up finding and thinking about it that recovered that passion? Um, just basically like taking control, like the, the thing that was, was just, um, making sure that I was doing the training that I wanted to do, you know, um, and taking control of that and making sure that I, you know, um, yeah, just, just making sure that I, you know, train the way that I want to train. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how much, you know, from a game plan standpoint, I know fighters are always growing, but uh, uh, did you add much ahead of this fight, you know, compared to where you were in the first fight, or was it more about just, you know, re- re- rekindling that fire for you? Um, can you repeat that question one more time? Yeah, no problem. In terms of, in terms of you know, your strategy and stuff and your evolution as a fighter, ha- has much changed for you between ahead of the first Jessica fight compared to oh. now? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot that has changed just from my mental, but also from my physical. And, like, um, you know, I'm still, I'm still, like, a version of myself. Like, I'm not, like, a totally different fighter, but, I mean, I'm still Rose. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you can just see, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to see, like, the full evolution of my, my game. And, like, just, um, I've definitely patched up a lot of holes that have been there for a long time. Um, defensively, offensively, like, you know, just all, all around, um, on the skill side, I'm definitely like way better, but, um, mentally as well, I'm a lot more, um, you know, just, uh, stable with my emotions, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how much do you like the, the sort of, the, the side of the fight game that isn't about fighting, the, the, you know, quote unquote being a star and having a platform and, and connecting with the public. Are there any elements of that that you enjoy? Um, there are some elements that I enjoy, like when I genuinely feel like I've made an impact on somebody's life. Uh, that's like, there's no better feeling than that. Um, but, uh, just like, yeah, being a star and stuff like that. Like I've, I've always, um, I've always kind of been reluctant to, uh, being in the spotlight. I've always just with my particular upbringing, I've always, um, really did not like I've, I've throughout my entire life. I've always tried to make sure that nobody was looking at me or I couldn't be spotted. Um, even just walking through my neighborhood, I'd always have a hood on so that nobody would see my blonde hair. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, just walking on busy streets, make sure I don't take no shortcuts, all these things. Cause I've always been afraid to like it, you know, there's been times where people have tried to, I've been, you know, attempted to be abducted before. So it's just like, these things don't, um, attract me, you know, all eyes on me. Like that's not something that it kind of goes against every fiber of my being, but at the same time, like, I also know that, but, but there's a reason for that there's i do have something to um that that people that um moves people so i think you know i think when it's a positive impact and i can use that to to positively impact people i think that that's pretty cool you know 
Yeah, was there a, a, a and it makes it all worth it, you know? Was there a, a time that you first realized the power, I guess, of your platform of being a public figure that you can use it to to you know send a certain message? Yeah, when I when I became the champion, I realized that. Actually, before that, I realized that. I I realized um, like when I lost to Carolina, um, I realized that I could make a difference in this world, and it was just kind of. And then, and then that's just what drove me to uh, compete. And then once I got there, I felt like I did make a difference, but it was just kind of really um, vague, or not vague, but, like, ambiguous as far as, like, seeing the actual, uh, you know, like, quantifying the actual impact was difficult. But then, like, later on, I realized that, like, I need to, like, I think what has helped me now is, Real like being more specific of like what type of changes that I would want to make. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I really respect that a lot. Uh, do you think you were ready? And I don't know how anyone ever could be, but when you became the champion, were you ready for all the extras that that came with that? Was it easier than you thought? Harder than you thought? Um, I was aware of like you know just extra pressure of a champ. Like no, I was not. I was not. Um, I was not uh, expecting whatever it is that I got out of being a champion because I didn't really even think about it. I I didn't really think about it. I was just kind of like thinking about just the destination instead of like, you know, there's no playbook for any of this shit, you know? So it's like, it's kind of just taking one day at a time and stuff. And I think, you know, I had to have that experience in order to be where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you got an iconic haircut, Rose. Do you get a lot of great feedback about that? You've sort of uh, <laughs> made something unique here. Although I did love what you did at 201. Don't forget you had the little bit more of the high-top fade there. But uh, have you? has this become sort of an iconic <laughs> thing where people pick you out in a crowd and, and shout you out for it? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely like people, people definitely recognize me a lot easier that way. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's just it's just more convenient, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Uh, let's talk about your mindset entering this fight. I, I appreciate everything you said about being, um, you know, you have the passion back and the competitiveness in the fire. What is specifically driving you entering into this fight in terms of what you want to accomplish with the rest of your career? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm on a mission to be in the world's greatest farmer. So that's that's what I'm using martial arts for. I'm using that to, uh, you know, achieve that dream for myself, but also to promote the sustainable like farming lifestyle and also like to promote what martial arts does for me and what I think it could do for the rest of the world. So that's really, that's really all I'm focused on for this fight, except, you know, and then just obviously just really looking forward to just for my own pleasure, like looking forward to seeing what, um, I can do out there just given my preparation and everything like that. Um, I'm like super confident. So it's, it's pretty exciting to, to kind of just test it out and test out these new muscles, you know? Are you still driven by the idea of being known as the, as the best in the division or the, the best in the world and, and physically wearing that title (laughs) around your waist? Does that kind of stuff matter anymore? Uh, I don't think it ever really did. Um, like, being known for being the best because I already knew I was the best. So like to me, um, 
yeah, I mean, that's nice and everything, like, obviously, you know, uh, for the ego, but, like, it's not something that drives me, and it's, yeah, I don't think it ever really has. Um, but, yeah, to, to know, to, to physically just test myself and to actually just do it for myself, yeah, I mean, that's that's always that's always uh, what we do it for, you know? Yeah, sure, for sure. Uh, what was your opinion of that uh, title bout in your division we just saw earlier with Ioana going up against Weili Zhang, and they produce what everyone's calling the best female fight of all time. And, you know, I've heard your take on it in terms of, of you know, you prefer fights maybe a little bit more skill than, than, than Savage Warfare like that. But what did you learn about each fighter from watching that fight from the standpoint of you may have to face either one again in the future? Um, you know, I think what I learned from that fight is, uh, the the biggest takeaway is that, um, you know, I think Joanna's so impressive after all this time, even though, you know, she, she definitely doesn't, um, she's probably past her prime by now, but, um, and then after that, and then the most important takeaway is that Whaley, you know, is a true champion and she, you know, fully tested herself. And she, she went through the, you could see she was going through the moments of like, you know, kind of doubt in the fight and then pulling through it. And then, you know, like a champion kind of has to do. So yeah, she was fully tested in that fight. And, um, I think she's just going to, she's probably going to improve some things, um, from that. So that's one of those fights that usually makes you better if you're, if you're still, um, reaching your prime and if you're past your prime that that just takes it out of you so I think you'll you'll kind of see that from here on out but um yeah like I said I think I think yeah for it to be the greatest female fight of all time I guess you know that could be considered that just for the fans and stuff but I think mainly the other thing I mean like you said uh, to, I would prefer to have more skill, but there was a lot of skill in that fight. I just think um, defensively there could have been a little bit better. And then I think what also made it a great fight is just looking at Joanna's head. Um, <laughs> her forehead was so huge that, like, would it still be such a great fight if her head was that huge? I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, it was a great fight, but that definitely added a level of, like, um, what am I looking for? What's the word? Uh Mm, like like a spectacle it was a spectacle i feel like you know because because of her physical damage that she showed Uh, all fighters are warriors who can step into a cage and i have so much respect but i find it interesting that some people can watch a a five-round all-action affair like that and be like i want that i want that on my resume i want that experience while others can look at it and go I don't want, you know, why would you have to, you know, endure yeah, no. that when you can fight a different way? Is that, I have to assume you look at it as the latter. Like, you wouldn't want to be in a fight like that. I mean, you know, I think there's some, there's, there's some character inside of all of us that is a little bit of savage that, you know, maybe, um, some, like, if you're in a certain state of mind, that's something that you might want, but, like, Anybody that says they want a five round war like that is dumb. <laughs> Being dumb. And like we're all dumb as fighters every once in a while, but you know, like yeah. That's um if that's something that you gotta do, of course, yeah, like that's uh you know, that that's that's gonna be embraced and that's not gonna be run from, you know, like um, you know, I'm I've been in five round wars before, so it's it's uh 
I don't know. I think if that's something, that's just not the type of fighter I am, though. Yeah, yeah, and let's obviously not forget your rematch with Ioana was a great, great fight that had all the elements. Uh, in closing here, Rose, and I, and I thank you for being so real as always and, and, uh, and being so introspective here. Uh, as you look ahead at the challenges that Jessica brings to the table and as, as you envision the, the fight, are, is there any element from the competitor in you that, that is just looking forward to, to winning this so you can cross off what happened the first fight? So you can remove it from the memory banks completely? Uh- so, what was the question and answer? Uh, when you look at this this fight and, and what it represents, is part of you motivated by the idea of beating Jessica? So the so the memories of that first fight are gone. Um, the memories will never be gone. You know, that's something that no matter if you like, no matter what happens in this fight, I'm always going to have that in my um, in my memory bank. But I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, making sure that she never slams anybody again. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, I mean, she's, she's out there saying that she's, you know, practicing more to, to, to do the same thing, but not only that, but just to, um, you know, to, to focus on that part of the fight. So for me, um, you know, she, that's her intentions and I have the same intentions, um, but uh, going back at her in a different way. So, to me, that's that is a huge motivation to make sure that she never does that shit again. Do you think that should be uh, outlawed in the fight game? No, um, I mean unless that's like uh, for me, um, I was uh, I was holding on to a submission, so that's that was my bet. Absolutely. Hey, Rose, thanks a million for the time. Best of luck to you. Can't wait for this fight. Uh, I know so many people are behind you and in your corner for this, so keep doing the uh, the great work you're doing in terms of sharing your story. Thank you. Brand-wise, that was a hell of an interview, and I, and I credit her, and I know you didn't get a chance to hear it, too, for being so open and honest. I don't know if I've heard her say what she told me, where we know about the... The, the real, legitimate, she almost retired after the loss to Andrade. We know that's true. We know, uh, you know, if you heard her interview with Ariel Hawani, which was the first one she did a couple weeks back, about a week ago, uh, you know, Faith has been a big part of her comeback right now. She has the passion again to be a fighter. That's all great. But I don't think I knew that in round two of that fight against Andrade, when she got dropped on her head, she had gone through sort of some legit inner mental turmoil which centers around her just not wanting to be there. And it wasn't, I'm scared. It wasn't, I'm anything. It was just, I'm bored. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore for my career. In almost any other circumstance, that's a giant warning sign where it's like, why even take this fight? Why even fight again? But I just did 22 minutes with her. And I and I feel like she's ready to go out there and, and, and knock Andrade out. Maybe she's just one of those different types. Had you heard that before? where she sort of just had her own like breakdown where she just didn't want to be there. Yeah. That's, that's part of why I'm still not completely buying in on her this week. It's, it's a tough ask. It's tough to, it's tough to have those kinds of thoughts and still be as consistent as she's been, you know, like, like you mentioned before, she was like six and four at one point. And it's because of those kinds of thoughts and, and battling herself and, and, always having to overcome her own brain in a lot of these situations where her brain is telling her, why are we still doing this? You know? And what I find interesting is that 
she said during another interview, I don't know if she brought it up with you as well, but she hated being the champion. She felt like there was a lot more pressure on her then because that that extra media attention and, and fan attention, it just became too much for her. As much as she wants her belt back, she, I don't, she doesn't sound like she wants to be the champion. I'll agree with that. It, but I think it's more of a just uh... – she wants to be a regular person. We, we hear a lot of athletes, you know, go through that. They, they do, you know, guys like Robbie Lawler, he doesn't want the spotlight. You know, he wants to take your soul, right? He, he don't, he don't give a damn about the spotlight. Cause if I hurt him, I wasn't taking his neck. What were you going to take? His soul. God, that's dirty. The way he's looking for that. That's just like, but you know, I think she certainly had to navigate what other people did when they, when they jumped into stardom, the, the, the bullshit elements of it, you know, dealing with the ego, the pride. But again, in almost any other fighter, I would be like major warning signs entering Saturday. Nama Yunus back after family deaths, after near retirement, after all this, I just think she's a different kind of cat and it just works for her. And maybe this is the way it's going to be the rest of her career, Brandon, where we're going to be guessing if she's dialed in. And if she is, I mean, you saw that first round against Andrade. You saw the two uh, Ioana fights. She's among the best female fighters we've ever seen in this game at her very best. Can she be that every time, though? Can she be that this time against somebody who's coming in here to knock her the hell out once again? I mean, that's the intrigue. That's why we care about this fight in so many ways. So, I mean, I, I can't necessarily explain her. But when I hear her in this interview, I think her her intentions are pure. And Brand, you have to ask yourself this question. If I can tell you in advance you're getting the best rose, then I know you know in your heart that she's a better fighter than Andrade, even though Jess can knock anybody out at any time. And I think that's why the betting odds makers, including our friends at William Hill, have this fight coming in close, but minus 200 rose is your favorite. Plus one sixty Andrage, um, you're a better. You give betting advice on sports CBS Sports Sportsline uh, website. Uh, did they get it right for this one in terms of how how to frame uh, this fight from a betting standpoint? Well, I mean, obviously, when you look at lines like that, they're looking to make action happen. So they're looking to at the way to get the most people invested in the fight. So that's partially why that they they put those lines the way they are. But I would say that that's not really that close. That would that's a two to one favorite for Rose, and they're saying that they think she's just going to come in there and and dominate mostly, right? Like minus two hundred. A lot of the times you're you're looking at somebody that's so, uh, an almost overwhelming favorite. Um, oh, overwhelming at minus two hundred, really? You're close to that. I mean, two to two or three to one favorites typically are considered by far the better side. Um, that being said, I personally would like to see this line closer to like her minus 150 or minus 140, just because I feel like it's closer to even than what they've, they've established here. And I think that, I mean, you're telling me that with plus 160 that Ro, uh, Andrade could knock her out. I mean, I could see that happening. I mean, you look, can't tell me you got it. If you, there's, that's a great a great bet in any form is Andrade was plus money plus money in this fight when we know Rose has all these questions. So I'm a, you know of course, but it, if we get the best version of Rose, I don't think Andrade can hang on that it, on that technical level. 
In terms of style breakdown and in terms of intangible skills, yes, Rose is the better fighter. She w- she should be able to implement the game plan the same way that she did in the first fight, right? Like stay on the outside, avoid the power punches, avoid the big takedowns and throws and outpoint her and grab a decision. And Rose by decision, I think, is like plus 120 or something, which is good plus odds considering that Rose is a minus 200 money line favorite. So if you want to take a prop bet, I that's a good line to me to look at. But to me, like I said before, I like Rose. That that's actually my one of my picks on Sportsline this week is Rose by decision. Um, I just think the way for her to win, especially given that this is not a five round fight, that it's three rounds where she can go in there, kind of feel her way through the first round, establish her her striking in the second, and then just kind of take the points away in the third. I think that's her best path to victory. I don't think. I don't think a finish here is going to happen, even though uh, Brent Brookhouse actually mentioned it to me today that Rose has a 70% finishing rate and that only 30% of both fighters' fights combined have gone the distance. I just think that this is going to be a very methodical fight where both fighters are looking to just get through on points. Well, I'm here to tell you by virtue only of the combination of MMA math, which is never reliable, and the combination of my personal fandom, which is also uh, uh, will fail you at many times, that uh, Rose is going to knock her out. And here's why, Brandon. Um, Entourage is a badass. She's a threat. But she's not a great fighter. She's a good fighter who at times can, can become very good. I love her knockout of Carolina. I love some of the things she's done. She survived a slugfest with Claudia. You know, she won decisions over some credible people. But Rose might not be a one-punch knockout artist, but she's a knockout artist. She puts, you know, stiff and accurate combinations together. And if what we saw in that snapshot of round one in their first fight can play out for a couple rounds, I think Jessica can go. Um, Rose has more power than Ioana. Ioana was unable to finish uh, Jessica. But Andrade is coming off of an awful performance and losing her title against Wei Li, where she just, uh, you know, she walked into oncoming traffic and she showed she showed a lot of unfortunate qualities there. You wonder what that does to her. You never know when a fighter is going to, you know, drop down or turn that corner or whatever from that. But I think this is going to be emphatic for Rose. And I think she's going to get a stoppage, whether it be from a knockout or some kind of submission here. Um, because she's that good. So it's like, this is a weird crossroads where it's either the end of her career or it's, uh, you know, something dramatic. And I think I'd lean more towards something dramatic because I just don't think they match up well, you know, when you match those two skills together. And I do believe that was an aberration in that second round. Um, are there any prop bets specifically that we should be going after here? I will say this though, in, in terms of what you're saying about Andrade, that, I do think if you want to look at that side of it where you're looking at a Rose knockout, perhaps consider that Wei Li might have taken a piece of Andrade's soul in that fight where she might have learned, oh, bleep, I don't have it on the elite level striking like I thought I did. Maybe I just have power in my hands and that's all I've got. Maybe maybe I don't have the true elite striking game that I thought I did before. Um, I would say the... So one of the favorite things I see on Twitter every time is that that Twitter account, Jed Goodman, whatever the hell his name is, uh, he always tracks the women's fights if they go the distance or not. And that's a prop bet that you can look at here. 
Fight to go the distance, yes, minus 143, no, plus 105. If you're inclined to believe what BC says, plus 105 is getting plus money. You're getting more than your money back on on the fight getting stopped early. But women's fights have a history of going the distance. I don't have the exact number, but it's more than 50% of women's fights go the distance. That's why the, the odds say yes on that. I like it to go the distance. I like Rose by decision, which is actually plus 175. I didn't think it was that high, but plus 175 for Rose to win by decision is some, is a good value bet to make. All right, all right. Let's slide into that co-main event, and it's an interesting one. Alexander Volkanovsky, the immediate rematch from December. Max Holloway. Uh, we're going to frame this conversation around a theory I have. Let's go to Max right now because this is an interesting chat with him. It's a, it's a quick one. It's Max Holloway, your, your ex-champ, the blessed one, coming at you right now. Max Holloway will, will, sir, the blessed era be back alive and well Saturday night. Talk to me about this, brother. Can't wait, Max. I can't wait. I can't wait, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, grew up for a company like UFC, putting it together, doing it smart, keeping um, all the fighters and all the corner and all the staff safe. And can't wait to go out there live on uh, ESPN Plus, July 11th. Do my thing. I love it. I love it. Max, let's go back to December when you lost your title to Alexander Volkanovsky. You had one of the best post-fight interviews ever where you essentially said, you know, I, I accept this loss, but I'm I'm 28. I'll be back, guys. Uh, what was going through your head at that moment? Um, wow. I lost my title, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I know I'll be back. I'm only 28. I'm only getting better. You guys, UFC is going to see a lot of my face for for a lot of years to come, so I, I ain't worried about it. Uh, what did Volkanovski do great that night? You know, from the outside looking in, it looked like a chess match. He he was dictating the terms. What do you give him credit for in that close decision win? Um, you know, it just you know, the experts. The expert told me they, they 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 gave the first three to Volkanovski and then they gave the last two to me. You know, at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm not a judge. There's only two guys, uh, two guys or a lady. I don't know who the judges was, but there's only two people in the world that their uh, their decision mattered, and uh, they went the other way. You know, at the end of the day, I. Uh, I really don't know, you know. Let's just let's just put it this way, you know. If uh, if Jose Aldo kicked me twenty times, I don't know what's going to come sooner, you know, a cure for the coronavirus or me walking. You know, Alex kicked me eighty times, you know, eighty times. And if you uh, if you go back and look look at it, you know. Look at the stats at the end of the day. It's like I, I I hit him more. I hit him more to the head. I hit him more to the body. There's only one. There's only one way he beat me. You know that, that was with the leg kick. So I guess if we can figure out that leg kick part, uh, we can go out there and do our thing. How different do you think his approach and style will be in a rematch? I don't know. I don't know how different it is. You know, I don't know. 
for what he's going to come. I can't really take what he says too serious because last time we fought, he said he's going he's going to TKO me, and uh, and that didn't happen. So I really don't know. You know, I just I know what I can control and control my emotions. I can control what I'm gonna do, and um, we won't find out come July 11. You know, Max. Uh, you know, not not to puff up your bag, and certainly with all respect due to Alex, I feel like look, anyone can be beat in the cage one time. But you've got an all-time great resume at, at your age for a reason. I think it's going to be hard for him to do it a second time without some kind of drastic change. Um, what have you had to change in terms of style and approach in the build-up to this fight to to counteract what happened in the first one? Um, you guys want to find that out? You guys got to tune in live July 11th on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, baby. Uh, it's going to be, we made some changes. It's going to be some good ones. And uh, I just can't wait to show you guys. You know, I, I read a show and didn't talk about it. Because, Max, I don't know if you would have had to have made changes if this loss didn't happen. So is there any uh, blessing in disguise elements here? Like, are we going to see Blessed 2.0 on Saturday night? And it's, uh, it's a new bless every time I, I step in there. So you guys going to see something. Kind of fun. Just make sure you guys tune in. Uh, one of the most, you know, craziest hype hype cards of of all of uh, 2020. So I'm just glad to be a part of it, and I can't wait to, you know, all, all, the whole world. You know, the whole world. We don't really have sports, and other eyes is is here. You see, it's putting on sports and putting on fights, and um, I can't wait to show the world who Max um, Holloway is. Max, you've always been so honest with us in the media about your mental journey through this sport. Uh, the times where you were pulled from big cards, you talked honestly about the depression that came with that. Uh, I know you, 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 you've suffered loss before, but you had been the featherweight king, the greatest of all time featherweight. Was there an emotional toll from losing that in December? You know, aside from it is what it is, was there a, a mental rebirth that you had to do the past few months? Uh, not at all. Not at all. You know, everybody keeps talking to me about um, this and that and the bell and whatever and spotlight and how does it feel. Like, you know, like, I don't, I don't feel any different. I, I do not, not feel like the champ. You know, I'm, go outside that guy's interviews, he, he's just, uh, he's mad. He's telling me he got chipped in the shoulder. He's telling me he's a challenger, to be honest. People still respect me, talking to me like I'm a champ, hosting like I'm a champ, you know. And, and at the end of the day, like, you know, I always told you guys, you know, I got, I got five of the belts, five belts at home in my closet. You know, this guy can beat me two more times. I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm still going to have more titles than the guy. So at the end of the day, these guys, um, the fans, like I told you guys, you know, I, I know where I stand. I know, I know I'm a champion, you know, just the belt doesn't really mean nothing. The belt helps. To prove that I'm a champion, a little bit more, but the spotlight not gone. You know, people talking to me like people talking to me like I'm a champion. So it's just it's not, it's not really that different, to be honest. That's interesting. There's no eye of the tiger. That eye of the tiger, I guess, is always there for you. I certainly love your perspective on yeah. not getting too high or low over the situation. It is what it is at the end. I respect that. Um, how has this training camp been different for you? Not just with the quarantine, but you know, and the the chance that you're the challenger this time. 
all things considered, how has this been different? Uh, you know, just one of the different things. I, I don't know if you heard, but how most of my training was was through Zoom. You know, I didn't see my coaches until we got on the plane to Vegas last week Wednesday. So that's one good thing. Um, but all good fighters, all good people, whatever, whatever you do, you adapt, and uh, that's what we did. We adapt to the situation. Uh, we in crazy times, but um, I just. I just can't wait, man. I can't wait to fight. It's been six long months for me, and uh, I can't wait to go out there and do my thing. So have you ever had a camp like this without the sparring, where it's been so, uh, I mean, do-it-yourself in a lot of way? Not at all. The first time. You know, this pandemic is is crazy, and, um, you know, we're in crazy times, but uh, we didn't have it any other way. You know, it's just... uh, we we'll find out who actually went in there and, and, and did the work, and uh, we're about to find out July 11th. Uh, the first fight, it, it certainly was physical, but it, like I mentioned, it was a chess match. It was a thinking man's game. What if the rematch becomes an all-out fight? Sloppy, action, blood, guts. Can he hang with you on that level? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I really don't know. Uh, I guess we get to find out. I don't know. I don't know what where the fights go, but I'm I'm ready for anything. If you want to make it ugly, we can make it ugly. If you want to know a chess match, it's another chess match, you know. So at the end of the day, um, we will find out. Uh, Max, uh, I love all of your favorite islands, including Tenth uh, Island. You know, eight, nine, seven—they're all great. Uh, is Fight Island the eleventh? Can you keep me up to date on this? Uh for sure. For sure, it has to be a Lemon Island. You know, uh, I I still I still trip out that Fat Island wasn't in Hawaii, but uh, we're here. We're here in Abu Dhabi in, in Yas Island, the Lemon Island. Now, can't wait to put on a show for. Max, what will be the hardest adjustment? Do you believe in this fight? From the time change to the heat in Abu Dhabi, from the limited training camp, are there any things that that you're expecting will be harder than normal? Uh, not at all. I fight the fight, you know. I know it's uh humid here and hot. Um, I know there's we're fighting in the morning, early in the morning here, so I don't know. You know, I don't know what it's gonna be hard, you know. I just I got fighting mentality, man. You can attack every problem and uh, we're gonna get over it. Uh Max, you seem to be very like I mentioned, you know, whatever. You're a ch- you're you're a warrior, you go out there and do it. You don't you don't care too much at the things that people like us get fixed on but are there elements of your legacy that are at stake at all in this fight um i don't know i don't i don't feel like it you know like i said <laughs> this guy could still be me two more times i still have more titles than him so and i'm i'm only 28 man they, they, i got a lot more left yes you can see and um it's tuning July 11th. You don't believe me, tuning July 11th. It's going to be a show. Uh, I, I can't, I can't wait to put on a show. I, I just don't know how, uh, how excited I am for this one. I feel like you're bluffing me, Max. There's a man walking around with your belt. Somebody's been sleeping in your bed. I know that that eye of the tiger is in there. You're ready to get this back. You're ready to knock this guy out. 
All right, let me close with this. Uh, give me the best you can, please. A key to victory for you. What do you have to do that maybe you didn't do the first fight to get your hand raised? Uh, I got to go out there and do my thing, you know. Um, a magician never never tells someone how he does his tricks. So all I'm going to say is live on ESPN Plus pay-per-view July 11th. Holloway versus Bolsonaro is, is a fight you don't want to miss. I can promise you that. This is the real main event, right? The real main event, man. It's going to be tough. You know, it's, uh, I don't know that, the that Jorge, uh, Usman fight is, uh, is a pretty tough one, you know, it's a pretty tough fight, you know, and, um, I can't wait, you know, I, I always feel like whenever we put on the card, we, we get, we get pushed like the main event, you know, all I'm saying is like, go watch ESPN, there's one guy's fight that they've been putting over and over and over, you know, and, uh, it's a 45ers fight, and last name is Holloway, so, I, I ain't too, uh, too worried. I love it, Max. Can't wait. Uh, 11th Island in the house. Best of luck to you, sir. Uh, I wish you well on bringing that title back home to your island. Thank you, brother. All right. Special thanks, of course, to Max Holloway. Brand, uh, he hit us with the greatest hits tour. You know, it is what it is. 11th Island, baby. A magician never shows his tricks. Uh, what was my mission here? You'll just have to wait and see. You'll just have to tune in. Brand, I, I've I've seen enough, and I've actually, to be honest with you, bet enough and lost to know that I've seen too much. Max Holloway, uh, I think he's going to win this fight, and that that's a, that's up for debate right there. But I think he's playing us, and I think he has played us a lot. I think when you look at, it's not just a deference to media. It's not just a well, maybe he's not that deep, or he's not a great character. Go listen to his post-fight interviews compared to his pre-fight ones. Uh, he's, he's trying to stay under the radar here. Now, maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe it plays a role. Do I believe he hasn't had the best training camp? Of course. He's in Hawaii. He didn't get to spar the people he normally does. He didn't get to see his coaches physically. But do I believe that, you know, where, where Luke Thomas is saying, oh, I don't think he should have taken the fight. Hell to the no here. This guy's one of the greatest of all time for a reason. I think he saw something in losing that fight to Volkanovski that he made the adjustment on. He didn't win the fight. His rally wasn't strong enough, but he was in that fight. Two of the three judges had it three rounds to two. He's too good, Brandon, for me to lean anymore on, well, maybe it's too many beatings. Maybe, you know, what? he's 28 years old. The guy's incredible. I was late to the party. He's going to be more than just fine. And I think at worst, in my eyes, this is an even fight heading in, and that's saying no disrespect to the chess match style, the city kickboxing, cerebral ways. But Max is staying under the radar for a reason right now, and he's coming. He can act like he don't care, Brand. He's coming for that belt. You're also willfully ignoring the fact that Max has been in some ridiculous wars in the last few years. If you're saying that he's playing us, that he's not taking this fight too soon, all of that nonsense that you just said. Because, dude, he's 28, but he's been fighting in the UFC since he was 20. Like, 
That's a long time, so, man. Uh, so I'm not saying at 34 he's going to be a you know you know still your champion, but it's too look, Brandy. We were scared in 2018. Remember that interview with Bisping? That I'm still have... scared for him. That's a lot of damage, man. Like he, nothing changed besides the fact that Max went to war with Brian Ortega. That whatever, whenever that fight happened, I think it was December. They they pushed it back five months, and then he went to war with Poirier last April. Like, come on, he's been in battles and taken a lot of damage. I I completely understand why Luke said that, and 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 especially under these circumstances, what did he pick up? What what is there to pick up on Volkanovski? There's videotape. Look, Volkanovski is incredible with his footwork. It's an awkward cadence and rhythm, and he's so smart on like Dan Hooker is like the city kickboxing style of disguising your offense, but. I don't look at Alexander Volkanovsky as a giant finish threat on this level, and certainly not against someone with the chin of Max. So can he fool him once with that great style? So here's the deal. It's not a negative style, what Volkanovsky does. We use that term in boxing. It means you're only trying to win defensively, and you're trying to do the bare minimum to just disarm your opponent. He's not that, but he's he's also got a game plan that he goes in there to carry out, and he has to be fighting on his own terms to carry out that game plan. Shout out to him that he did it for three full rounds. Some people thought four against Max. He did. Leg kicks were certainly useful. All that good stuff. I just don't think, Brandon, that he can do that twice without an adjustment from somebody like Max. And if that adjustment is to do what Max does, which is get off first, open the combinations and close the combinations, right? He's the guy throwing more. He's the guy landing big. I don't think I don't think Alex can win that kind of fight. So you're basically asking him to go out and paint a masterpiece a second time against an elite guy physically and mentally. And this is where I never gave Max the credit that mentally, game plan wise, he knows no one no one owns distance better than him. This is the first time he ever was challenged on that level and he lost the fight. But I think he's got a lot of video we can watch and I think he's way too smart for the quotes he just gave me, which is, eh, bruh, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't care. I mean, I already got titles in my closet. I could lose, you know, five more. That's not who he is. You can't be it. You can't be Max Holloway without giving a care, without really getting pissed off that this man has your belt. He figured me out. So you know what? Bless 2.0 is coming out, and I'm taking that belt back. Brandon, you know that in your heart. I'm sorry. I love this card so much. This, to me, is another even-money fight. Our friends at William Hill have it like this. Minus 250 for the defending champion, Volkanovski. Max at plus 90. You're going to give me Max Holloway at plus 190 against a guy who probably can't knock out or submit him? Well, that number number is gone up because it opened at minus 200 for for Volkanovski and plus 160 for Holloway. So that means all the money's coming in on Volkanovski right now. Brah. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that plus money every day of the week on Max Holloway. But it's because of the things that you're talking about, though, where he's trying, it it seems, in in your head anyway, that he's playing mind games with everybody and not really showing everybody what's going on and making, oh, woe is me. I didn't even get a training camp in. I Skyped with my coaches all all the whole time. Look at my shitty haircut. Don't I look old? I mean, come on. You know, come on. We'll see. I, to me, I, I get what you're saying. I, I get that he was rallying. 
I think you also need to go back and listen to that Rogan interview he did like a week after that fight where he sat down with Rogan for three hours or whatever, like he norm- like Rogan normally does. And he basically said, like, look, it was a fight, whatever. It happened. I want the rematch. I think I deserve it. It was it is what it is, but there's he didn't do anything that surprised me, is basically what he said. Well, Even though it's tough to say that when he got disguised, he disguised like when Volkanovsky disguised all of his strikes and he couldn't see them coming. All right, let me ask you this, because from Max's point of view, he did make an adjustment. He did win the final two rounds, and he says, "Look, he got me with leg kicks, but it didn't knock me down, stop me, you know, or, or do anything." And I outpointed him to the head and body. Is there an argument in there? I'm not saying is there an argument that Max should have won, but is there an argument with those facts that? Volkanovski wasn't bothering Max enough to, like, make him feel like he was losing that fight. Like, I know he made great adjustments. He went southpaw. He rallied. But is there an element that, okay, those those leg kicks, they worked. They went over the judges on this one night. But this guy can't hurt me. He's not going to do it twice. I, that, that's the feeling I'm getting. I mean, I guess. I I saw that ESPN did a story that that these calf kicks and leg kicks are the UFC's latest fad. I I mean, okay, cool guys. I didn't realize that calf kicks was really a new thing that people just figured out how to do and really hurt people. But if he shuts down Max's lead leg, then what's Max going to do? You know, like he might not have the same power that Gaethje does when he does those calf kicks to shut down Tony Ferguson. But like those those kicks add up, man. Like I I just don't understand. Max can say whatever he wants about that, but at the end of the day, if he's getting outstruck to the legs and it's noticeable to the judges, they're going to give Volkanovski the points. Like, Do you think Volkanovski can alter his game plan enough that will counteract any adjustments that in, you know, I mean, look, if you're a champion and you lose, you're coming back stronger. That's just the way this game works. Uh, what do you think, Matt? You know, how should Alexander Volkanovski address this rematch? I mean, I just think that City Kickboxing's game plans have just been so on point for the last year and a half that it's hard to bet against them. Like, even the Dan Hooker fight, you can say whatever you want about Hooker's gas tank, and I think I did say a lot of things about Hooker's gas tank in that fight, but he gave it to Dustin for three rounds. He gave him all that he had in that tank, and he was lighting Dustin up until Dustin relaxed got his gas under control, got his stamina back, and then put him away late. But I just think that that team with Volkanovski, with Hooker, with Adesanya, or Israel Adonijay, as we like to call him sometimes. Um, I just per, per Ariel, Adesanya. Not per me, okay? You didn't hear my joke. Um, I just think that those guys, they're putting together game plans right now that are just, they're hard to beat. And I also think... That for as much as you talk about Holloway and his in his mental game in these fights and and figuring things out, I think Volkanovski's right there with him, man. Like that's why the first fight was so much fun. Was it was so much high speed chess where you could see them both thinking in real time. Okay, he's figured out this part. I'm going to the other side, or he's figured out my head kicks. I'm going low. It was so much fun, and I think that we're gonna get the same fight again. I just don't see how Max outpoints him here. I really don't. Very interesting. What is your recommended bet after having looked over the uh, the props and weighing this whole idea of whether, you know, Volkanovski is just a better fighter than Max? Well, I'm in on Volkanovski to win a money line pick. But to me, this if you can get it, 
uh, again, does this fight go the distance? Yes is minus 225. <laughs> no is plus 160. If you really believe in Max, like like BC, my friend BC here does, take him to finish him. You know, take him to get that finish and get some plus money on it. But there's a reason that the fight going the distance is that much has that much uh, odds toward it because I like as much as you said you don't think Volkanovski can finish him, I don't think Max can finish Volkanovski. So I would take the over on rounds. I would take this fight to go the distance. Personally, I like I like Volkanovski to win. I think I just I think damage adds up over time, man. I and I really think that this is the kind of fight where you might see it, especially with everything going on and training camps and and everything. I I think it's going to be interesting if Max, whether out of frustration or out of strategy, uh, tries to make this a fight. You know, he didn't try to do that. He tried to he tried to mix martial art Volkanovski, and he lost that battle. Right? He wasn't as technical. He he lost the thinking game the quickness, all that. I wonder what happens if Max just, just says, you know, we're going to fight. Um, does Volkanovsky have, you know, plans B, C, and D? Can he consistently land hard counter shots that would force Max to have to, uh, to alter that game plan? It's going to be a great fight. I think my bet here is, is go the under. It's not going, it's, it is going the distance. I mean, do not mess with that under. Okay. We're going to see another 25 minutes of chess. Can't wait. Very excited. Uh, Brandon, we, we can't wait for this main event and we all have our theories and, and I, and I do believe that if, if it's not going to bother anyone, it's Jorge, the 6 a.m. fight time, the Abu Dhabi, the 18 quarantine, uh, tests or, uh, putting a Q-tip through your nose and swabbing the back of your brain, uh, six days notice, 20 pounds to cut. Momentum is a thing, Brandon. It's a real thing in this game. The question here that I want to ask you. Is magic a thing? Do you believe in magic? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think Conor McGregor showed us that it, 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 to some degree it was real. He wasn't supposed to win those fights the way he did. He's a great fighter, but he was on some kind of run, bro. It was almost like Tim Tebow and Jeremy Lin type ish. He was just knocking people out. Oh, the magic ran out. I believed in it against Habib, and it ran out. All right? Do I believe in magic to a degree, okay? I also believe in nose candy, and I think that was a big issue heading into that fight as well. It's just me, not you, okay? Do you believe in flying kangaroos? No, just... no, no. But I do believe in the idea that momentum and self-belief matter. So even though Masvidal has been your guy, and I respect that. You're a South Florida man. It took me a, a while to realize that this transformation was real. He's a legitimate elite pound for pound level fighter who can finish anyone at any time. I'm starting to get caught up and I don't want this to be like where someone in your life that you hate decides that like your favorite band is now their favorite band. And then they're, they're like, you're like, Oh crap. I can't, I can't listen to them anymore. All right. So I'm not taking Jorge Masvidal from anyone here. I'm just saying I'm really starting to believe in the Cinderella elements, of the story. He just beat the UFC at the damn negotiation table, right? He just beat the boss. He got what he wanted. It was, it was that, that, that's freaking momentum right there. I think Kamaru Usman has the potential to be his own worst enemy thinking, if I win this fight, I can become a star. My, I'm with Trevor Whitman now. My striking is legit. I think everything is aligning here where we're not talking enough about the pressure on Usman of fighting a more dangerous guy at the last minute who has the ability maybe to suck them into an emotional fight because they don't like each other where I'm at the point where I'm, I'm not only ready to pick Masvidal, 
the more I think about what the end of that fight can look like, the 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 magic of Street Jesus it, it it's a thing right now. It's fate. It's something, bro. It's something right now. I think it might happen. Say it. Say it. I think. Say it. I think Kamaru is going to uh, is going to try to trade with him, and he's going to get knocked out. Say it. Do you want me the- to say that you were right? Well, do you want yeah, me to I do say want you to say that. I'll never say that. Do you want me to say he was the fighter of the year last year? I'm sorry. I mean, Israel, you know, uh, you know, Beyonce had one of the greatest videos of all time and Israel Adesanya was incredible. But for every radio host that asked me, how is more, you know, Jorge going to deal with this? How the hell is Kamaru going to deal with this, Brandon? And the real definer for me in this whole equation from the odds, from everything, is this Kamaru Usman smart enough in your eyes to be willing to win a boring fight to keep his title? Yes. <laughs> I mean, example one through 80 that says that is every fight before the Colby fight. <laughs> okay. Okay. I hope so for his sake, Brandon. Um, Listen, you didn't say what I wanted you to say, which was that the baptism is coming because you just don't get the joke, but whatever. Um, this is going to be a great fight. Um, I think it's been said enough times now that this is an upgrade over what Gilbert Burns would have been in terms of interest level and and casual fan casual fans coming into the tent. In terms of actual fight breakdown, I kind of lean toward what Luke said on, with you on Morning Combat that this might not be exactly the technical fight that we would have wanted because. Gilbert has the style that matches up well with Kamaru where they're going to kind of cancel each other out and make an interesting striking battle between the two. I don't really know what Jorge's defense is going to look like if Kamaru gets his hands on him inside the clinch up against the cage, because that's where my biggest fears are is that look, Kamaru does the Jorge sprints across the cage at the opening bell and just takes him into the fence and just holds him there and just mugs him, you know, with those dirty elbows inside with that, that the dirty boxing up against the cage and then just takes him to the ground and just makes this ugly for 25 minutes. That's my biggest fear. But Jorge has trained the entire seven months since that Nate fight for this. He's been training with Dustin Poirier, with with Mikey Brown and his, his uh, Corona beard, as you called it. Um, just waiting for this wrestling match that he's expected because he knows what Kamaru's game plan is going to be. I think that he knows in his heart of hearts that Kamaru is not that dumb, for lack of a better term, to just stand and strike with him. I think that he knows that Kamaru is going to come in and try to just take him straight to the ground. And maybe we get another flying knee knockout. Who knows, man? So you're saying it's more about if we're going to get a bra- you know, a brawl, a stand-up opportunity where Jorge can win it, save for what you were saying, a flying knee, some kind of strike out of nowhere, that it would be because he was able to stop a, a certain amount of takedown defenses to force Usman to stand up. That's yes. what that's what has to happen. Rather than Marty from Nebraska just going, you know what, I did this to Colby for five rounds, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I just think that, that people are like going to assume – or not people, sorry. I think that Kamaru – 
unless he, he does what you're saying and he's in his own head where he's like, people think I'm boring. Let me go show them, you know, like, let me show who the real striker is in this division. I don't think he's going to do that. I think that he really hated Colby Covington and really wanted to punch his face in. That's why he got into a striking war. I think Kamaru's smarter than that. And I think that he's going to bring in that strategy again, that Damian Maya fight or the, the, the the fights before that I can't remember the the Tyron Woodley fight and just take him against the cage and just make him get out of there make him be the one that has to be on the offensive all right what, it's it's gonna it could it could get really ugly these odds are changing in front of me for William Hill as every time I refresh plus two hundred Masvidal minus two fifty for the champion it's um, flying down it, that's that's what I will say this opened at minus three hundred for Kamaru and all of the money is coming in on Jorge. It's going to be interesting here. What, what you, you have a good bet play for this? So I mean, the plus money on Jorge just just for the fun of it to see a knockout to cheer for that is is in play. So I will say this as a interpersonal discussion. I f- drove to Jersey on Sunday because I wanted to get bets in for the fight, and it was the first time like Jenna and I had my wife and I had been out of the house to go do stuff like beyond Connecticut border since we moved up here in November. So you quarantined for for two weeks at the betting window before making the bet? I did it on my phone, but yeah. Um, (laughs) So I was mad because there were reports on Sunday and Saturday night were that this fight was making progress towards happening. But the site I bet on wasn't offering a line for the fight yet. So I couldn't get any action on this fight, even though I really wanted to. So I'm on every other fight except this. Um, I mean, I can't bet against Jorge. Like, I, I can't. Like, you know, like, I am the, the Jorge guy here. You are now on the ship. Welcome. But I, I can't bet I'm against Jorge. Here, it's... But I, I'm on it now. Yes, yes. Thank you, Noah. I'll, I'll, I'll stay on your arc a little while longer. Uh, yeah, you got to go. Um, it's more Ahab than Noah, but yeah. You got to go for the, the plus money on him. It's, it's a, it's a, it, you know, again, I don't think these things are going to hamper him. I think he's going to go in there. His, his takedown defense is either going to work or it's not. But even if he gets ragdolled a bit, Brandon, as you're saying, he's got that ability to do something explosive. Even when he's down, uh, you know, on the cards like he was against Till, this, this could get crazy. This is going to take, this is going to be great. Uh, to me, the the, the line that made that the method of result um, props that are out there, Kamaru being plus one eighty eight to TKO or KO Jorge seems ridiculous. When Jorge by TKO or KO is plus three hundred, I mean, I would gladly take Jorge by TKO plus three hundred. I if Jorge wins this fight, it's not going to decision. I'll put it like that. Absolutely on that. Uh, we got We're running out of time here, but uh, your guy Peotre Jan is a. Minus 250 against a plus 190 Jose Aldo at 33, two-fight losing streak, moving down to Bantamweight for the second time. Uh, look, everyone seems to be leaning on the, sorry, younger, stronger, faster, hungrier, crazier guy in Jan here. Uh, from a betting standpoint, how do you handicap this fight? I went back and watched um, both of their most recent fights. The first for for Jose at 135 against uh, Marlon Marais yesterday. And Peotres against Jiraja Faber. Um, Mr. Faber, yes. Yeah, Mr. Faber, sorry. He still can't be the California kid. He's the California, like, almost granddad now. Um, I just did not see anything that gave me hope for Jose in this fight. Like, Jose looked – 
he looked him he looked explosive at points, but also you could kind of see the difficulties that he had in cutting to 135. Like everybody wants to talk about how oh my god it was miraculous that he made it and he looked great on the scale and oh blah 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 blah. But when it came to fight time, Marites opened with that head kick that really messed up Jose in the first round. And Jose did not throw anything after that for a good two minutes. He was just stalking, waiting, and looking for an opening. And I'm sorry, but, like, everybody who said that Jose, Jose won that fight, like, he didn't. <laughs> you can you can make an argument all you want, but, like, he did not win those last two rounds. Or if he did, he won one of them. I, I don't see how he gets his path to victory here. I think – I think Peter, as I'm going to call him because he is Peter to me, I think Peter is the smarter striker at this point in his career. He's not going to get baited into a brawl. He's going to wait for Jose to start trying to throw crazy head kicks or, or, or leg kicks and just counter strike the hell out of him. His pinpoint accuracy is bar none the best at 135 right now in terms of striking. Uh, Aljo's, Aljo's wrestling and everything might is a lot better than his. But in terms of striking at 135, I, there's nobody better than Peter. Yeah, uh, the more the more you're talking to me into it, I, I I think it's true. I I think you know Aldo, who was willing to go out on a shield in a big way against Max twice, I think he's going to do it here and and get finished. And uh, it'll be a big and you know the division as much as there's a you know storyline angle there with with Aldo becoming a two division champion, the division needs. Peter Jan to win this fight. We need him against Aljo. We need, you know, Sanhagen to come back. We need we need to find out who these young studs are. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, the rest of this card, it kind of blows, Brandon. All right. You can get. You whoa, can, whoa, whoa. You need to calm the hell no, hold down. Hold on. I'm going to tell you quick. You can get minus 909 odds right now on, Re- on Hebus. And I love that fight. Believe me. I know your Fort Lauderdale buddy uh, Vulcan is fighting against Jerry Jiri uh, Prochekska over there, Blahowitz. But uh, t- tell me, tell tell the people what they should be betting on or caring about on this undercard, okay? All right. First of all, you're the worst. Second of all, Piotr Jan by TKO method of result uh, prop. That's my best bet of the week. That's to me. That's to where you're going to make money no matter what. It's plus one ten. I think you're getting plus money on a on a knockout by a guy who should be the champion already. Outside of that. I really like Pro, Pro Jaka, as you called him. He's somebody that – sorry, I got a ambulance going by. Um, he's somebody that really has crazy knockout power. <laughs> God, it sucks sitting next to a highway doing a podcast. Um, and Vulcan, as much as he's improved of late, I I am really not buying in on his rebirth in this division and, and finding a way back into the, like the top 10 of, at light heavyweight. This is a coming out party for poor Jaka. It is going to be a striker's delight. They are going to bang for three rounds. I just, I think it's going to end in a knockout for poor Jaka. Let me bang with somebody. Let somebody stand up and bang with me. Uh, anyone else we should be watching here? Any, any odds that, that grabbed your fancy? Uh, none of these fights grabbed my fancy. I'm sorry. This is one of the best main cards we've had in a long time. The rest of the card, uh, I'll see you at 10 p.m. Saturday night, Brandon. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Dos Santos and uh, Salikov, that is going to be another banger. You're going to you're gonna learn a lot about who those two guys are and the same thing with Vulcan and uh, Porjaka, as you mentioned before. Um, 
Uh, Makwan Amir Khani and Danny Henry. That's another fight that I'm really interested in. Amir Khani has been on a pretty good little run here against a guy who's coming in. I think this is his first year or second UFC fight. That's going to be another fun one. Absolutely. Uh, please check out all of our great work this week on CBSSports.com. Like CBS Sports. This isn't like, you know, bloody elbow or something. You know what I mean? CBS Sports fucking wrote it. Yeah, we wrote a lot of things this week to preview UFC 251. Check out HQ, your 24-7 live streaming network. Myself, Rashad Evans, will be all over that. Uh, Brandon Wise, you have any closing words for the people ahead of this great card? I mean... I'm sorry, Dana's my new hero. It's the quarantine. Life is really weird, but they're giving us like almost better than normal stuff right now. Like this is incredible. I can't wait for you to go back to hating Dana in like ten days. Pretty, once the once the corona outbreak takes over, you know what I mean? The whole organization and then it's like scab fighters like against their <laughs> will being pushed in there with like lightning rods. Yeah, then I'll probably be against them. But Yeah. Um, not really, man. This is, this is going to be a great weekend. This was the, like I said at the top, this was the first time I woke up on a Monday of fight week and was like, oh bleep, it's, it's actually happening. Like we're actually doing this. Thank you for bringing sirens into the podcast today. Okay. That's That's an alarm clock. That's not a siren. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Yep. This is not fun. Okay, that's great. That's great. You got any Punjabi beats in your neighborhood, Brandon? You got any of those? Okay. Oh, dude. Uh, I mean, we got where, where's, where's your where's uh, your Oh, there we go. Yes, yes. Where's the where's the the Maheta song? We got to talk about your boy. Yeah, Maheta will be back in a main event. Tiago Santos against uh, uh, Glover. Glover. That's a hell of a fight. That is so freaking good. <laughs> Shout out to them. Shout out to everybody else. Uh, Follow us at State of Combat. Uh, We got your back, okay? We're always behind you in every single way. Thank you. Welcome to the SOC era. For Brandon Wise, it's your boy BC. Uh, Two? You got any words, two? No? You. (laughs) Okay, yeah, actually. uh, uh, We out.